Good morning, church. Please stand for the word of God. This is in Mark 4, 26 through 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat, and as you do, if you have your Bible, or have a Bible on your phone, or in your lap, I would encourage you to open it up to Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, will be this morning. If you're new here to Trailview, my name is Derek, I'm one of the pastors here, and I would encourage you, in your chair, you would have found one of these Connect cards. At some point during our worship gathering, we'd love it if you could fill that card out, um, and you can do a handful of things with it. You can put as much information as you would like to on it. Um, our hope and desire is that we could, we could meet with you uh, in maybe physical, if not physical, meet you in the place you find yourself in life, in prayer or care. Um, and this is just a means by us doing that. So you can do a few things with it. You can uh, drop it in the black box in the back on your way out. You can bring it to myself or Pastor Brandon uh, personally, or you can do this digitally with this QR code on the bottom, and we'll get it electronically. Um, if you bring it to us, typically Brandon or I are somewhere near the group's wall thing in the back back there um, at the end of our gathering. We'd love to have a conversation with you, get this card, um, answer any questions you may have, and, and, and see if we can serve you as a church. Um, so um, as we dive into Mark chapter uh, 4, we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark, beholding Jesus our King. Beholding meaning to look with, with, uh, with fear, to look with intent, uh, to see clearly Jesus our King. Uh, and today we're specifically looking at the next teaching parable of Jesus. And so as we, we move into this, let me ask you a question, theor- uh, uh, rhetorical. What do forest fires national custom laws for entering our country, and the civil rights movement have in common. (laughs) So you're like, what? Uh, Forest fires, uh, custom laws for entering the country, and the civil rights movement have in common. What is it that all of these things know or understand the power of something small, spreading widely, and impacting the lives of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and even millions of people? Specifically, you think about a forest fire. A small little ember or spark on the side of a road can set ablaze millions of acres of land and tons and tons and tons of people's property. A spark, a tiny little spark landing on the side of a road or one small strike of lightning can cause millions of acres and millions of dollars of destruction. That something small can impact so big. Uh, custom laws. Have anybody ever traveled from another country back to the United States? If you have, there's this form they give you when you're on the airplane about to enter the country where you have to disclose, meaning tell, which sounds weird. Disclose sounds like you should hide it, but you shouldn't. Um, like you, you have to say what you're bringing with you. And there's some specific laws about what you're allowed to bring back into the country uh, and what you're not allowed to bring back. Specifically, you typically can't bring any food, any animals, any plants, any seeds or fruits or those kinds of things across the border. And it might be like, that's, that's silly. Why? Why can't I bring a mango back from Mexico? Why can't I bring 
a durian back from Indonesia. You shouldn't. They're gross. But, like, why can't you? Um, because the, the people who made the laws around the customs and reentry of our country understand that a simple fruit brought back into our country or seed or plant or animal brought back into our country can cause an agricultural disaster by invasive species or infection entering our borders. That something so small as a little plant seed brought into an insect or an animal with some sickness or disease that's totally undetected, brought into our borders can cause an agricultural disaster because of invasive species and moving in to new habitats. We see this across the entire country, subtly happening where you have, like, I'll give you an example. Um, anybody got those little like sticky grass burr things in your yard right now? Those things are what? Invasive. Do you want them? No. Did you plant them? No. But somehow they got there and now they've overtaken your yard. Like this small little tiny little thorn seed, over time, subtly and slowly, has in infected and created disaster in which you don't want to walk in your yard barefoot. Because something super small can have massive impact across the board, across an entire nation or country or region. And, and when you look at the civil rights movement, this, this beautiful speech by Martin Luther King at the, towards the end of the civil rights movement of him saying, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And to kind of walk through this movement that spread across our nation over two decades. We may not realize the civil rights movement took two decades of unfolding and still at work. It started in July 26, 1948, after World War II, when Harry Truman signed in the executive order making the segregation of our military uh, no longer a thing. From there, in, in 1957... Brown versus Board of Education in the Supreme Court ended racial segregation in public schools. That was like that was eight years later, six years later. In 1955, a 14-year-old boy was brutally murdered in Mississippi for allegedly flirting with a white woman, and his murderers were acquitted. And it brought international attention to the civil rights injustice in America. And it, be, it continues. Later on that year in December, Rosa Parks refused to, get, refused to give up her seat to a white man on a Montgomery, Alabama bus. Her defiant stance prompting a year-long bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama. A few years later, six black past, or 60 black pastors and civil rights leaders met in Alabama, including, or sorry, in Atlanta, including Martin Luther King Jr., to coordinate national non-violent protest against racial discriminations and, and segregation. Later that year in September, nine black students integrated Little Rock's high school, Central High School, where they were denied entrance and President Eisenhower had to call in the National Guard to protect these nine students and bring peace to the city as it was integrated. Later that year, uh, Eisenhower signed the Civil Rights Act of 1957, protecting voting rights and preventing voter suppression. 
1963 years later, four black college students in Greenboro, North Carolina, refused to leave the Woolworths whites-only lunch counter from, without being served, and it sparked national movements of sit-ins across the city and the state. The next year, the Freedom Riders began to take bus trips across the American South, refusing to get up from their seats or to practice the legal Jim Crow whites-only restrooms and lunch counter um, uh, segregation stuff across our, our nation, resulting in horrific violence from white protesters that drew international attention to their cause. All this leading to August 20, 28th when, in 1963, a quarter of a million people took part in the march against or march on Washington for jobs and freedom, where Martin Luther King Jr. gave that famous I have a dream speech. The next year, Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 into law, preventing employee discrimination. The next year, Bloody Sunday, Selma, Montgomery, Alabama, where 60 or 600 civil rights march protesters walked in protest, and the local police and crowds brutally attacked them. Three years later, Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated on his hotel balcony in Memphis. The next month, April 1968, President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of eight, or 1968 for Fair Housing Act, providing equal opportunity regardless of race, religion, or national origin. That over the course of literally two decades, this movement sparks by a few people changing some laws, small groups of people standing up against injustice that spread across our entire nation, changing and ongoingly producing change that needed to take place in our country. Across 20 years, two decades, millions of men and women put their lives, their well-being, their, their livelihoods at risk for equality and to see the death of racism in our country. Something that mattered more than themselves. And this, this, this movement, along with a forest fire, along with an uh, agricultural disaster, didn't start with two million people in a crowd. It started with a handful of people who believe in something more significant than themselves. It started with a little spark on the side of a road. It started with a seed that crossed borders and ended up in a field. All of these movements, the forest fire, the agricultural disaster, the civil rights movement, all of these start small and they spread massively over time, sometimes slowly and a lot of times undetected across our nation, across other nations, across the mountains in, in California and Colorado, and all of these things, these movements, these little sparks bring about massive change, massive transformation to communities, to cities, to countries. Why? Why? Because this idea of a movement being something that's small, that then grows into something big, is woven into the fabric of the Lord's creation of the world and our own lives. It's the way that Plants multiply. It's the way that fires grow. It's the way that people are sent out to fill the earth and subdue it to multiply. It's, it's a part of the way the Lord has designed everything to work. Small becomes bigger and it moves like a movement. And in the same way that this is true of these three examples that I've just walked through, in Mark chapter 4, particularly, Jesus is talking about his kingdom, a kingdom movement. 
a kingdom movement of his kingdom, not a kingdom that has borders, but one that rules and reigns in the hearts of men and women. A, a kingdom that, that wells up in their hearts and spreads out through their words and actions into the heart of others on mission throughout the world. A, a, a movement that God himself started in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned. And he set the plans for this movement of his kingdom's establishment forever into motion by bringing Jesus. And here's the deal. This kingdom movement, the kingdom of God, the church, God's people, this movement has implications that surpass every other movement to ever happen on the, place of the, the face of this earth. Civil rights movement, incredibly important. Incredibly important. All the other movements in its form, incredible implications to life and well-being for millions of people. But no movement in history has the impact of the kingdom of God's movement across the globe. Why? Because yes, those impact life now, but the kingdom of God impacts life forever. Eternity. Men and women, faith in Jesus across eternity brought into the family of God. An eternal kingdom that nothing can destroy. And this kingdom spreads through individual salvation and church planting. Remember, think about how you became a Christian. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, how did that happen? Probably a person or at an event, someone's telling you the gospel a whole lot of times. Maybe not. Maybe it's a one moment thing that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And the Lord brings people who've put their faith and trust in Him together to establish churches that He then sends out to plant more churches. And the kingdom spreads all for the glory of God to the ends of the earth for all of eternity. And Jesus' parable today, the parable of the seed, unpacks and shows for us how this kingdom, a kingdom movement, spreads. Here's, here's the main point for the whole morning. The kingdom of God expands spreads when we scatter seed and trust the Lord. It's that simple. Uh, the kingdom of God spreads when we scatter seed and trust the Lord. That's what this parable unpacks for us. That the kingdom of God spreads when we scatter seed and trust the Lord. And it does it in these three ways. These are three points for this morning. If you're taking notes, great. If not, storm in your head or whatever. Um, we scatter seed, one, we rest and God works. Two, three, we look forward with hope. One, we scatter seed. Two, we rest and God works. Three, we look forward with hope. The first one, we scatter seed. In verse 26, it'll be up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. This is what it says. And he said, meaning Jesus, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground. Just in a nutshell, Jesus just called you, if you're a Christian, a farmer. <laughs> I don't know if that interests you in any regard, but he just called you a farmer. And maybe you don't have a single green thumb or cell in your body, but by God's will, you are called to be and are by nature a farmer. A farmer who's been entrusted a sacred seed. The gospel, that each one of us, like light bearers or farmers in a field with bags of seed, have been entrusted with the means of delight and eternal life. 
We've been entrusted with that in our lives. These seeds, which means the gospel, that we are farmers, the gospel seed planted within our hearts, growing up and then moving out from us as fruitful workers of the, gar- of the, of the harvest to plant seeds. Now this points out to us this reality, that we have a calling, a responsibility with that seed. That you and I, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been entrusted with the seed of the gospel and you have a responsibility of something to do with it. What good is a farmer who has a barn full of seed and won't go out in the field? What, what good is a farmer who's got thousands of acres of land and a barn full of seed, but he doesn't plant it? I'm afraid oftentimes we are that farmer. Though we've been entrusted with the seed of the gospel, the truth of how Jesus has come to, in his life, death, and resurrection, rescue and save people from hell and wrath and bring them into mercy, forgiveness, and eternal life. That we need to embrace this humble and glorious role of farmer in his kingdom with the responsibility of taking this seed and throwing it, not away, scattering it, spreading it upon the ground. Now, we are workers, farmers sent out into the field. This is our job description. Christian, this is your job description. From Jesus, the king, be a farmer. (laughs) Throw the seed, be a farmer. That we have a responsibility to scatter seed. So how do we do this? How do we scatter this seed of the gospel? How do we spread it? What does it tangibly look like for us to do that? What it means by scattering seed, it means to actually go out and be missional in your life. Share the gospel with your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. To tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. To, to live a life that reflects accurately the life of Jesus to your neighbor. In compassion, in empathy, in care, in generosity, in hospitality. For your life in action, in priority, in finance, in rhythms, where you go and why you go there, to be about this job of scattering seed. I had a conversation with a Trailview church member last week about we're in the middle of baseball right now with our kids. I was like, hey, are you guys going to do sports or stuff like that with your kids? And, and they're like, well, we, we, we want to if our kids are willing to, but we don't want to unless we can do it intentionally on mission. Like, we don't want to put our kids in some form of school, or or not school, but in some form of uh, athletics that would not be in line with the mission that God has given us to scatter seed, to be on mission for the kingdom of God. To think about our lives with that level of intentionality. So, are you single? If you are single, I don't mean like you're 12 and single, I mean like you're, uh, you're not married. Maybe you're dating, but you're not married. How do you leverage the gift of your singleness for the kingdom of God as a farmer of the gospel seed? How do you do that? How do you use your time, your energy, your resources for the purpose of scattering the seed of the gospel? If you're married, how do you use the gifts that God has given you of your marriage? To scatter the seed of the gospel. Married people like to be friends with married people. 
It's just a reality. It's not exclusive. How do you utilize that reality purposefully towards the work that God has given you as a farmer to scatter seed? How do you utilize your date night? If you have one, if you don't, you should. If you're a parent, how is your parenting, both inwardly towards your own children and outwardly towards the community, a means by which you live as a farmer to scatter seed into the world? I've had more conversations over the last week and a half with the administrators and the teachers at my children's school than I think my parents had my entire life. <laughs> some of our fault, some not of our fault. But nonetheless, um, what is my whole hope and demeanor in those conversations? To establish a connection, a relationship with the assistant principal, the boys' teachers, to live with a kindness, an understanding, a generosity, an encouragement towards them so that they would see Jesus in me. How do I, why is this so important? I mean, for me, uniquely to you maybe, they look me up on Facebook and find out I'm a pastor pretty quickly. And we're able to connect in some regard on that. But how, how can you utilize the places being a parent takes you as a farmer to scatter seed? How about motherhood? I don't mean with your kids. But the unique role that God has given you as a mother, how do you connect with other moms? Play dates, if your kids are young. Coffee dates, if your kids are old and they're not in the house. How do you utilize the place the Lord has put you right now in your life to scatter seed on the fields that He has you today? What about your work? How do you think about your work as a place, a field, the Lord has sent you as a farmer to scatter the seed of the gospel. Who? So th that's where, but, but who has the Lord sent you to, to scatter the seed? Who is it? Is it your physical neighbors? Is it a coworker, a friend? Or maybe somebody on social media that's hit you up randomly out of the middle of nowhere. God doesn't do random. This is a quote from a, a pastor. He says this, I find it comforting to know that this is how God's kingdom works. This parable teaches me that the things I say and do, though they seem infinitely insignificant to me, may have eternal significance as God uses me to build His kingdom. One of His good pleasure." He works through what, though we don't know how, in what we say for His glory. So, so here's the language that I want us to use in around Trellview when we think about this role as us as farmers. Know your neighbor. Like, know your neighbor. Like, to actually know, not like at our old house, our neighbor we had a nickname for. <laughs> not that kind of thing. We call them pumpkin pants. Because no matter the weather, he wore these like shorts that were orange like a pumpkin out in the yard. Uh, I made multiple efforts to connect with this guy. He burned half my yard down, and I think he was like, I don't want to talk to you people anymore because I feel terrible. But like, like <laughs> 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 we tried, we tried, we tried, we tried. 
But, but do you know your neighbors? The people who literally live next to you in your apartment or your neighborhood? Do you know the people who you share an office with or classroom next to? If you don't, get to know your neighbor. Share a meal. Ask good questions. Listen to their answers. And share the gospel. Scatter the seed in your words and in your life. We are farmers. The Lord has called us as farmers to scatter the seed of the gospel. And here's the beautiful part. After we scatter seed, we can rest. Not from the work of scattering seed, but we rest from what happens with that seed. Look what the story keeps going. Point number two, we rest and God works. Verse 27. The farmer, he scatters the seed and it continues and said, he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. This is the mystery of the kingdom of God. Like, He's given us a responsibility as farmers of the gospel to scatter the seed, and then the mystery of the kingdom begins to work. The mystery begins to work. Like, uh, like the farmer goes to sleep after he's done scattering seed. He begins to rest, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. It doesn't mean that the farmer doesn't care or have stake, claim, and hope that that seed takes root and produces fruit. He does. But what does the farmer realize? My job is to scatter seed. I can't make that seed soften, germinate, sprout roots. I can't make those roots spread down and pull the seed into the soil. I can't make it sprout a stem and leaves and blade and grass and bud and seed in the ear. I can't. As a farmer, you can't. A farmer plants and hopes for months that his work of scattering seed would be fruitful. He doesn't stop. Our seed doesn't have seasons. (laughs) There's no growing season in the kingdom of God. There's no like, all right, we do this in, in, in the summer and in the fall. And then we take breaks. No, like when we say we scatter seed and then we rest, it doesn't mean we stop scattering seed. It's that our hearts rest from the responsibility of that seed's fruitfulness and germination and growth because it's not our role. We can't make it grow. We can scatter the seed. That's our job. And so we can sleep and we can rest. We can sleep and we can rise and we can go about our day continuing to scatter seed and rest in the mystery of God at work in the kingdom to spread that gospel. So this is what another pastor says. This is, keep planting seed. What does the sower do after he sows the seed? He goes to bed. The sower is responsible to sow the seed, not to make it grow. While he sleeps, the kingdom germinates. The sower doesn't assist it. He doesn't understand it. The seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. He says, I relish this parable because it reminds me that I'm only responsible to sow faithfully. 
This should take some burden off of us as Christians. It should make the job of being farmers a whole lot easier. This isn't a call to passivity. Do we diligently long for and seek people to come to faith in Jesus? Absolutely. Do we labor intentionally, intensely to see lives changed? Of course. But we are not under any pressure to make that growth happen. We can't. We scatter seed. The reason that we can rest after scattering seed is because even though we can't make the seed germinate, God does make the seed germinate. That He is always at work. We sang a song a little bit ago. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Like even when we're unaware of what the Lord is doing in the lives of other people that we are scattering seed to, He is sovereign and faithful to work in it. You see, God is sovereign and faithful. We can't micromanage God. You see what I mean? Like we can't like scatter seed and then be like, yo God, you, you, you're taking care of that seed over there? Okay, what can I do to motivate God to move here? Like, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. God has never failed to keep His promise to work for His glory and His, our, our good. That God never wavers from His desire that your neighbor, your coworker, your friend would believe the gospel. So much desire in Him to see you or your neighbor come to faith in Jesus that He was willing to suffer death so that you might be saved. So much that from the very first sin in Genesis chapter 3, God began working to bring about salvation, to bring about faith and eternal life. See, God is sovereign and faithful to work in the soil with the seed we've scattered. So we can scatter that seed and we can rest and not try to take God's job. Because he does it better than you. See, uh, this is what one writer says. We often don't know what God does with our service. We don't. We, we scatter seed. We love people. We share the gospel. We don't see what God does. We plant the seed and we go to bed. And while we're asleep, God germinates the seed. It eventually produces a full harvest. Then God himself reaps it for his own glory. We're not called to employ fancy means in order to spark kingdom growth. We don't throw fertilizer on God's field. It's not our job. For the actual growth of the kingdom is not your job. Instead, we are to be faithfully, or we are to be faithful to His call, His method, and trust Him to bring growth. Why is this so hard? Because at the, at the other end of trusting the Lord... On the opposite end of that pendulum is a desire for control. Like, I want to make what I want happen. I want my friend, my children, my neighbor to put their faith in Jesus, so how can I make it happen? I want this particular thing that's causing anxiety in my heart to go away, so if I just take control of the situation, I can bring resolution and solve it. At the opposite end of trust is the sin of control. 
And it shows itself in anxiety. It shows itself in uh, workaholism. It shows itself in, in legalism, trying to just do it all. It does. But for us, our responsibility is to scatter seed and then rest because of who God is and trust the Lord of the harvest. That we rest. And, and when we think about rest, it doesn't mean we don't care. We use the words worry and anxiety very flippantly. Like we can say, man, I'm just really, really worried about X, Y, or Z. And you might mean there is this like rising up inside of you panic and distress. Or you might mean, I'm just really concerned because I love them. One of those is perfectly fine. And one of them isn't. Like the word worry or anxiety in regards to care for another person or longing for somebody else or something that's good or right is not wrong. What's wrong and what's sin is when we begin to put ourselves in the place of doer, not rest, and we become anxiety or anxious and worry because we don't trust the Lord. Like we can care and not be anxious. We can. We can. Because we can trust the Lord. So we can rest. The other thing that we can do is we can pray. That our care and concern, our longing that other people would come to faith in Jesus should drive us to the feet of the Father on behalf of those who have yet to believe the gospel. Longing and crying out with groans and prayers like a persistent widow, Jesus tells the story, like the kid who just says, Daddy, 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 and ask you the same thing over and over. We can do that very thing on behalf of the one who does germinate seed and bring life, growth, and eternal life on their behalf. So we pray. We rest, we pray, and we watch. We watch expectantly. You think a farmer doesn't like occasionally take a look at his field? Absolutely he does. Why? Because he wants to see growth. He wants to see what he can't in and of himself produce. So we watch with expectation and anticipation that the Lord will take our faithfully sown seed and produce growth. And He will bring about salvation because He is capable of to do it. So we, we rest, we give job his, God His role and we take ours. We pray and then we watch with great expectation and anticipation of the, the work and, and the, the growth that the Lord will do. And then we celebrate we celebrate when we see that seed begin to sprout, that tiny little leaf at the bottom. We celebrate as we see that seed begin to grow into a maturing plant. When you begin to see flowering, fruitfulness of the, the fruit of the Spirit showing in the life of somebody who's put their faith in Jesus. We celebrate in baptism. We celebrate in growth. We celebrate in evangelism. We celebrate in compassion. We celebrate when we see confession and repentance. We celebrate the things that we see the Lord doing in people's hearts. And what does that do? It encourages us and spurs us on to scatter more seed and rest and trust Him to do the work that only He can do. So we, we scatter seed and then we rest and God works. And the third thing is this. We look forward with hope. We look forward with hope. Verse 29 says this. But when the grain is ripe, 
At once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Like, this is not about us. It's really easy to take this and be like, let's go harvest some seed. No, this is pointing forward to Jesus. To a day of harvest, a promise that the one who gave us the responsibility as farmers to sow seed will return, and when he comes, he will gather his kingdom. He will reap the harvest of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus. He'll separate the wheat from the weeds or tares. He'll separate the goats from the sheep, and he'll establish his eternal physical kingdom upon earth where his glory will shine across the world. Will there be no sin, no death, no pain, no suffering, no depression, no sorrow, but only gladness and joy and delight for all of eternity? So we look forward with great anticipation of the day when Jesus returns for his harvest. Revelations 14, this is where this is coming from. Revelation 14, 14 through 16 says this. It should be up on the screen. Right? Maybe, yep, no? Okay. It says this. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on that cloud, one like a son of man. It's the, another name for Jesus. With a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Like this is pointing forward. This, this verse in, in Mark 4, 29, is pointing forward to this day, this promised moment when Jesus comes back to reap his harvest, to gather his kingdom, to push back all darkness and put an end to sin and death and establish his rule and reign for all eternity. So we, in the midst of our role of scattering seed and resting and trusting the Lord, we keep our eyes up, remembering and looking forward that one day, this kingdom we long and hope for will be established for all of eternity. So we scatter seed in hope that the Lord would bring fruit and growth, that the kingdom would expand as he gathers his people and establish his eternal forever kingdom. It can get discouraging. I imagine farmers deal with a lot of discouragement. It can get dark, difficult, challenging. But in the midst of that, Jesus our King says, I will return and my kingdom will be established and we will celebrate the harvest. So what does this mean for us? It means that in the midst of our role as farmer, scattering seed and trusting the Lord, we don't lose hope. We don't lose heart. That our hearts find gladness and joy in this promise that He will bring about a fruitful harvest. How does this compel us as a church? Well, we don't know when the harvest is coming. We don't know when that day comes. Which means, for us, like a farmer who sees a storm coming, we get out in the field and we scatter seed. No greater time is there than this. No urgency any higher, no, no more intentionality carried in our life 
than to scatter seed. We belong to a kingdom. We've been given a role and responsibility as a people, as a church in this community, in Crowley and Burleson, to sow the seed of the gospel where we live. To scatter the seed. This should compel our hands and hearts as a church towards our neighbors on mission. Because we don't know the day when the harvest comes. But we know it's not here yet, so let's get to work. And so, seed. Like we've seen over this last year. It's our birthday, and we have seen the Lord at work taking scattered seed and bringing growth and maturity and fruitfulness. We have seen Him do this. We've seen Him do it in 17 people put their faith and trust in Jesus and follow Him in baptism. We've seen Him do this in multiple marriages, no joke, on the brink of divorce, reconciled. And multiple others in really rocky places brought into the light and see some like slow, steady progress and growth. We've seen the Lord bring people out of shame and darkness for, in, because of their sin into freedom and joy and delight. We've seen people in really hard places struggle, but struggle in community where they're loved and known. All of this is fruit of the gospel at work in this church, in here, in Trailview. Now, we're ambassadors of the kingdom, this established church, this, this embassy of his kingdom, which will come one day, is here to be fruitful and multiply. I want to show you guys this short little video um, to kind of help us set the tone and place of, of celebrating our first birthday. You can watch this. Trailview Church, it's been amazing to stop, remember, and reflect on all that the Lord has done over this last year. It's been amazing. We've seen 17 people put their faith in Jesus and follow Him in baptism. We've seen multiple marriages on the edge of divorce reconciled. We've seen our membership double. And we're here today because of what God has done in you and through you. But the most beautiful part isn't where we've come from, but that the Lord has only just begun. That He's planted the seed of the gospel in our hearts and together as Trailview Church, He's sending us out bearing fruit. So let's celebrate. Let's celebrate all the fruit that the Lord has produced in and through us over this last year. Hi Trailview, I'm Ryan, uh, one of the pastors at Grace Church Southwest. Happy birthday! One year. Good job. Congrats. It's a huge deal. Uh, we just turned four ourselves, and so uh, we know the, the beauty of celebrating uh, these milestones. And so congrats. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. Keep tinkering with things that need to grow in and uh, be a light in your region so that more people would meet Jesus, uh, be baptized, and grow uh, more and more into his image. Grace and peace. Trailview Church, happy birthday. One year by God's grace. Uh, we are so excited for you. We're continuing to root you on. And I just hope you know that your labor is not in vain, that you don't grow weary in doing good with all the good works that God's prepared in advance for you to do. So here's to many more years of you guys reaching people with the good news of the gospel, seeing lives transformed, and to seeing eternities changed. 
We love you. Uh, we're continuing to cheer for you. And happy birthday, Trailview Church. Hi, Trailview Church and Pastor Derek. Dave Brusk is here with Acts 29. I serve as the executive director of the South Central Region. Congratulations. Happy first birthday anniversary. I'm so thankful for you. And I'm praying as you serve people in Burleson and Crowley and beyond. This next year, you'll be faithful to Jesus and his mission will be more fruitful than ever. Trailview, this is Pastor Rodney over at Stonegate wishing you a happy first birthday. You have made it your first year. You have received from the Lord hundreds of miracles, the, the miracles that every church plant needs to make it. And you have received those from the Lord. So we're celebrating that with you. And we are just with great expectation looking forward to the next year, the next five, the next 10 years of Trailview's life. Blessings to you on your first birthday. The, yeah, I mean, the Lord has done some amazing things over this last year. Uh, I, I talk to a lot of my friends who are also church planting um, fairly frequently, and there's a lot of this along the journey. And for, for us, by God's grace, yes, there's been challenge and difficulty, but it's been like a gladness and joy to see the Lord at work in you, in our community. Like, it's been so great. Like, it's been a story that I, I look forward to continue telling, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I, I hope other church plants have similar first years to us. I really do. Because it's been such a joy to see the Lord move in so many amazing ways. Uh, my hope, our hope, is that we would see more. That we would see in this next year, more people put their faith in Jesus than last year. That we would see more people follow Jesus in baptism. That we would see more home groups planted, providing space for people to live in vulnerable community. We would see our church grow in diversity as we move outwardly into our community. That we would see the Lord raise up men to partner as elders or pastors with us. And some of them even prepare to be sent out to plant more churches throughout this area. Like none of this would be possible, will be possible, without the powerful work of God through you. Through each one of you. So yes, let's celebrate today all that the Lord has done over this last year. And at the same time, let's say yes to whatever the Lord would have for us for the next year. For whoever the Lord would bring into this place and our lives this next year. For however messy it gets as we are messy in community and remind each other of the gospel. That we would say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Maybe that means putting your faith in Him today. That you've heard the gospel, you, 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 you've seen your sin and need for forgiveness, and Jesus has said, come to me and I will give you forgiveness and mercy. And to confess Him as Lord and believe that He died on the cross and rose from the dead today and be saved might be the yes that you should have today of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, receiving His forgiveness. Maybe for you, the yes is a move moment. Uh, to, to move towards to know your neighbor. A move moment of identifying that one person the Lord has said, go scatter seed there. Or keep scattering seed. 
But whatever it may be, my hope and prayer is that today every one of us would say yes and partner with the Lord to see what Trailview could to see what He could do through Trailview to move and, and make His kingdom more here in Crowley and Burleson. So we scatter seed as farmers. We do our job. We scatter seed. We rest and let God work, and we keep our eyes up for a day when the harvest is, it, it comes. And the world is rid of all evil and death and darkness and sin and delight and joy reign for all of eternity. As we respond this evening, this morning, I want to encourage you, if there's some form of like step, like you need to put your faith in Jesus, there's something going on in your life, you need help, you need prayer, you need encouragement, something along those lines, we have a response team. There's some ladies and some guys who will be in the back of the room glad to receive you, to sit with, counsel with, pray with, answer any questions that you may have. And so if you need to take a step of like action in what the Lord is telling you to do, maybe it's saying like, hey, I just need to tell somebody that the Lord told me to, that I need to go to this person and share the gospel. Maybe it's, it's you need to put your faith in Jesus. Whatever it may be, we would love to sit with you, encourage you. Some of the ladies would love to sit with you ladies if that would be more comfortable for you. So let's respond. Let's respond in singing. Let's respond in celebration. Let's respond in saying yes to the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a good God who is faithfully always at work. And so God, would you help us to be a people who are faithful to scatter the seed of the gospel? Would you help us right now this morning to say yes to you for whatever you would have for us? For, for wherever you would lead us, that we would say yes. And God, would you do amazing things through each person in this room this week, this year. That we would get to celebrate more growth and anticipate your harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand and sing. If you need to talk, we'll be in the back.